What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all gonna get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, yesterday was a hell of a day. And today, I'm assuming, is going to be more of the same because we're going to get more of a reaction from what took place yesterday. And that is a change at the top at quarterback. Matt Ryan benched, even though he's got that shoulder injury. And in trot Sam Ellinger as the starter coming up on Sunday. All right, commanders in town. I have that for you. I got a ton for you today, too. I also, I'm going to make sure that your game day experience is good, especially if you're going to the game, right? BullseyeEventGroup.com, Colts VIP tailgate back in action coming up again on Sunday. And remember, this is a late afternoon game. What time do I hit the air on Sunday? Do we know? 1.30, I believe. So that means 12.30. 12.30 is what time I'll go on to the ride to kickoff. And then 1.30, we do our Colts pregame huddle show. But I'm going to give you a chance all afternoon to be a part of the Colts VIP tailgate presented by Hayes and Sons Restoration, it should be outstanding. I will tell you this. At the very least, you're going to get a week walk-up that's not about Jim Irsay and Daniel Snyder and not about Carson Wentz. And I think most of you, I do gauge those that interact with me because you know I'm right in there. I'm right in there and the trench is with you. Whether it's Twitter or Facebook now, I don't stand for a lot of jackassery. You know my rules. My rule, actually, my one rule right here is on my shirt today. Shout out to Rob Sabatini at Average Joe's and Broad Ripple for the be nice until it's time not to be nice quote from Patrick Swayze, Dalton and Roadhouse, one of the greatest films of all time. There's one rule that I live by. It is this rule. So sometimes... Sometimes we'll have, I'll probably give back to the jackassery that comes at my my way. I never start it. At least I don't think I start it. You think I start it? Nah. Cal agrees with me. That said, yesterday was interesting because you look at everybody and their theories. I don't think, other than making this decision on Sunday night, and Jim Mersey making most of the decision, pulling the plug on Matt Ryan. Like, I don't think it's this, well, you know, give everybody a great pat on the back because they're moving forward now. They still have royally screwed this up. I mean, royally have screwed it up. And while I was no huge believer in Matt Ryan, And he was bad, but he did show when he got just an ounce of protection, he wasn't as bad as we saw him most of the time. Why? Because he did not get enough protection. I mean, we're pointing fingers and trying to find out who's at fault here. Well, you can go with the owner, the general manager, and the coach. 
But we're going to be moving down the road, and we're going to be pointing the finger more to the general manager. I promise you that. Because this was not supposed to happen. When you bring in a 37-year-old quarterback, you kind of know you're getting a 37-year-old quarterback. That's what you know. And you did get that. But then you got a 37-year-old quarterback that was going to freak out because he did not expect to get the type of pressure that he got because they told him when bringing him in that things were going to be better. Things were going to be better than a year ago in Atlanta. He was going to look different compared to what he looked like as a 36-year-old quarterback. And when certainly Atlanta decided that a year ago would be his final year there. Things are supposed to be better. You bring him up here, you've got an offensive line. You bring him up here, you've got a running game. You know what he got out of this? Nothing except a grade two shoulder separation. That's what he got. Now, listen, don't cry for me, Argentina here. I get it, right? Nobody's going to go, oh, wah, because he's going to get paid a ton of money and not play for the Colts again and more than likely not play football again. Now, we'll get into all those aspects a little bit later on, but it's deeper than that because even with this decision that thrills you in the short term, you should still be mad by the way all of this has gone down. And this is twofold. I say this all the time. It's not supposed to look like this. Why has it looked like this? Why has everything and everybody been so wrong about what to expect now we'll say this i wasn't so much i knew kind of the offensive line to me wasn't as good as many would advertise it to be but i sure as hell did not expect it to be this bad and as i've said all along you're going to be as good as this offensive line and that's exactly what you've seen so when you ask me whether it's on the street or social media, when you ask me, hey, I'm really excited about Sam Ellinger. This is great. What can we expect? He's going to be running for his life again is what you can expect. He's going to be a little bit faster. His 40 time was a little bit faster than Wentz, so he may look like Wentz. But what concerns me is when they decide to go ahead and factor in these RPOs and he takes off running, because everybody gets thrilled and like watching somebody like Josh Allen. And one of these days, that's going to end badly too. Mark my words. Because it did here. We saw it here. Didn't have to be an RPO. It just had to be something after an interception. And then 12 would run down there and get like folded over like a lawn chair. And we saw it here. It's, it's going to happen in Buffalo too. And you're going to get out there and you're going to get running. And it's not going to be the same as it was in the preseason, these guys are going to get you. These guys are looking to get you. So that's what you can look at coming up on Sunday. But I will say this. You have a week lead up, and I mean week as in W-E-E-K, a week lead up of at least this team is doing something about what was clearly not working. And at the very least, if you look at it this way, because so many people have asked, and then I put it up there as a Connecticut water question of the day, is this team, are they punting the season, 
or do they legitimately believe that they can win? And I can tell you this 100%. Jim Irsay believes that they can win with Sam Ellinger. Now, that sure as hell is not going to make it true. But I can tell you 100%. Now, what this decision also does, it can disguise a good tanking. It can disguise the fact that, hey, you know what? Well, we were almost there. Because you're going to get, in large part, as a Colts fan, what you wanted, what many of you wanted. You're going to get a new quarterback in there. You're going to get you know, a fresh, new, new-look type. And then more than likely, there'll be a point when that wears off. And then you'll think about it and you go, wait a minute. I know that he had a shoulder injury, but why are you pulling the plug? You're three, three, and one. I know an absolute disaster within the own division, but why are you pulling the plug at three, three, and one here? Oh, wait a minute. We didn't pull the plug. We believe in him. Yeah, I know you believe in him, but it's not like you got a lot of this right already. Year one of the Rivers, that's the only thing, right? When you look back on it, year one of Rivers, that was it. And we still complained after that. I know I did. Can't get the ball down the field. Defense can take away half the field because his arm strength can't get it to where it would need to go and what they they don't worry about taking away. I would take that like right now a thousand times. Because it does bum me out. I want to see this team go to the postseason. I wanted to see this team host a postseason game. I want to see you guys have some fun with it been far too long since you've really had any fun with it remember how loud you were a year ago that weekend game new england's in town everybody's fired up that's about as fired up as you've been around here in forever how good that felt i can give you a great analogy of how that felt but somebody would get mad if i gave you that analogy because it's probably a bit soft core-ish so i won't but that's kind of how that felt and you haven't had that feeling very much. That has That's how that feels when you don't get that feeling. People want to say that you're spoiled. Younger generationally speaking, maybe you are because you don't know what a lot of us old farts went through to get to the Manning era. This was a breeze. 3-3-1, three, three, and one, they would be having a parade here downtown pre-Manning era. 3-3-1, three, three, and one. <laughs> Biggie, somebody coach of the year. 3-3-1 three, three, and one before Halloween. Holy hell. Where's the parade? You got to be thankful that the bar is supposed to be a hell of a lot higher than it is right now. And that's why even in the excitement of Ellinger coming up on Sunday, there has to be a great deal of regret because it's another wasted year. It's more tread off the tire of Jonathan Taylor and you got to decide how much you're going to pay him. Another year for Michael Pittman Jr. Going to figure out how much you're going to pay him sooner rather than later. You've tied up all this money in an offensive line that's been an absolute stinking disaster. And the $20 million guy has been, this season, one of the higher among the disasters. Why? Because you expect more. When some doorman's knocking him on his ass at the line of scrimmage, you go, wait a minute, what's happening here? You legitimize a lot of theories. 
You go back to that draft and you saw what Josh Allen went and you go, wait a minute. Uh, even though at the time, we all live in that moment. I mean, it's uh, hindsight's easily twenty twenty. You can live in that moment. Nobody back then would have said, yeah, you know, we have luck, even though he's going through an injury. I think it's okay to do this. But now, now you're almost allowed to look back on it and go, okay, there was another screw-up. Why? Because now you're consistently looking for every screw-up this organization has had over the Ballard Reich era. And I want you to be excited. I'm glad you're excited about Ellinger. Unfortunately, this may end up being fleeting. And then we're going to be back at square one, wondering what this team is doing, wondering about this team's plan. I'm sorry, there's no way, none, this was a part of the plan. You imagine, oh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go three, three, and one, one win and five tries within the AFC South. And then uh, we're going to pull the plug on this guy that the owner said, you got to go out and find me somebody else because the dude you brought in last year, no way. That's not working. So go out and find me somebody else. All right, here are all the free agents. Hey, this free agent class sucks. Can we do something else? Hey, look what happened. All of a sudden, you know, with the, the dominoes that fall or maybe even don't fall regarding Deshaun Watson, here you go. Atlanta wants to move on. A lot of people have told me this. You look back to the offseason, and we talked about nearly anybody that ever picked up a football and threw it, I think we talked about, and tried to legitimize it. We tried to say, yeah, that would work. Uh, here's why that would work. Oh, wait a minute. This is why this wouldn't work. A lot of you right now would probably rather have Marcus Mariota than you would Matt Ryan. But let me tell you this. I don't care who it is. They are absolutely going to get shredded behind that offensive line, no matter who it is. Well, you got to get the ball out quicker. That was me. You got to get the ball out quicker. Unfortunately, you cannot snap it and throw it at the same time. You watch some of that clown show. That clown shows on Ballard. People ask me, are they just trying to save their jobs? They're just doing what the owner wants them to do. The owner likes Sam Ellinger. Now, the owner also liked Matt Ryan. The owner was talked into Carson Wentz. Uh, the owner also kept waiting for Andrew Luck to magically reappear. Then you add in the Jacoby season, the one Rivers year, and all that $145 million later, even with a guy like Brad Kaya, whose mom is most noted for being Felicia in Friday. Got a little bit of that drop in the bucket, right, monetarily speaking. For quarterback since Andrew Luck, which is an amazing stat, an amazing stat for one playoff appearance. And a team right now that is on skids. If we were in a different spot right now, we would look at this and say, well, what in the world? This is the answer? But you've watched the season so far, and you're willing to give it a try because of what you've seen. Because of the past. I hope that it does work. I hope it at least gives you a minute. But again, it can be anybody. It can be anybody back there. 
But with this group right now, this group that Ballard has put together, has talked about, has formed, has said this is going to be the cornerstone. We're going to build on the offensive line of the defensive line. This is exactly what we're going to do. And what has happened? It has failed miserably. Hey, I get you. I was right there with Yannick Ngakwe. Did you see the number on Ngakwe today? Like one of the worst playing the run, which shout out to Ben Brown told us that back in the summertime. Remember when he said rotational guy? I got so offended. I was completely offended right here. It was like he took his steel toe boot and kicked me right in the groin. I am so offended by that. You know, Ben Brown has absolutely been right, but Ngakwe also has not given that can say just like anybody else that they've tried to bring in. Anybody else. Which I'm assuming is he's been a smidge better than Bjorn Werner. I my, But everything that they have tried, and then when you look at that deal, you look at the top, according to PFF, cornerbacks, shutdown cornerbacks in the NFL. Have you seen that? Look where uh, Rock Yassin through seven weeks is. Or don't. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe I would advise you not to look at that. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is it's going to take either a great deal of good fortune, which essentially, since the squealing on deflate gate, there has been zero of that around here. I mean, for anything. I had a friend of mine tell me, I think it was yesterday, day before, maybe it was yesterday. Man, they need IU basketball around here more than anything now. Something, anything. Pacers are going to be fun to watch. They're still going to lose a lot. Losing last night can be fun to watch at times. If Mike Woodson can give folks around here a reason, I guess Matt Painter as well and Purdue trying to give folks around here a reason. But this Colts team right now, be excited about this decision, but this does not take away in the least that it's a wadded up mess. It is. It's a wadded up mess. And that is unfortunate. I I didn't want to bring up Danico Autry. But it does. It starts with the offensive line. It does not matter who you have back there. I am. It is great that Ellinger is going to get this opportunity. I just hope he gets to finish this opportunity. Young, first-timer, a lot of bravado. I mean, you're going to be juiced up like nobody's business. And those guys that are trying to track you down aren't going to look like when they tried to track you down in the preseason. I know nobody really wants to see Nick Foles either. But this runs so much deeper than just Matt Ryan being benched. And that is what is incredibly unfortunate, incredibly disappointing. And I've said this before, and people, I think, scoff at it a little bit. I've said, this is going to take a little bit to dig out of. Unless some of these guys that they've paid handsomely get healthy, play, get back to the level of play in which you've expected, and certainly in which you have paid. Yeah, I don't know if a lot of people would guess that right now. I don't know a lot of people out there would probably say, yeah, I don't know. This is kind of who they are to this point. And you know what you would be? 100% accurate. 100% accurate.
Tony just sent me the SAJMV, the play-by-play guy. I think that would be Mike Keith of the Titans Radio Network. Said, there you go, Indy. There's your super guard again getting beat. <laughs> Clowned. So many years, so many years where you just kind of waltz through this division. And then back-to-back times, you had Jaguars players doing you in, laughing about it, giggling about it, especially at the end of last year. Then you got the Titans play-by-play man clowning on your $20 million left guard, I guess more than what we're doing right now. That's ugly. And we can talk about that if you like at 239-1070. But seriously, they expect, they're looking for results. I can honestly tell you, that they believe this can work. When I put out that tweet, that poll of are they punting this or do they believe that they can win, they believe that they can win, but I would advise you that does not at all mean that it will. I don't know if there's any more doubting dude around than me about this right now, and it's not so much I want to be completely fair with Ellinger. Unfortunately, in this circumstance, there's no way to be completely fair to him because you have been now conditioned to believe what you're going to see, and you're not wrong about it. I was talking to Kyle about this before we went on. I said, I don't want to come out here and pop everybody's jovial balloon because you need it. I sent out a video me on TikTok with the uh, great Annie Lennox Al Green song, Put a Little Love in Your Heart, and just me kind of smiling, frowning, smiling, frowning. It's certainly been more frowning around here than it has smiling. I I want you guys to be able to smile a little bit. But they're serious about this decision, but it does work to their favor. It works twofold. You get excited about it. People get pumped up. If it works, it's a Disney movie. If it doesn't work, like a lot of us expect it won't, if it doesn't work and then you're just kind of moving on down the road and then nobody's going to question you punting at 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. Nobody's going to look back and say, well, wait a minute. So I'm buying all these. I'm going down there and watching this, and you guys are bringing in a guy that's never started when you're 3-3-1 three, three, and one before Halloween. It does work twofold. I don't know if that was their particular strategy in this because, again, it was – Jim Irsay is the guy that had the heavy influence on it. There's no question about it. I don't know if that's a strategy, but you watch. That's exactly how it's going to work. I hope you get the Disney movie. I'm just not expecting a Disney movie. That is where we are right now. I got more info for you coming up a little bit later on in the show. Get inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Again, thanks to Rob Sabatini of Average Joe's. I believe this is the shirt that uh, I think he bought his shirt for me because he knows how much I love this quote and how much I love Dalton, how much I love the late, great Patrick Swayze in the film Roadhouse. And I live by this quote. I think you bought this from the Super 70s dude. I think this is from the Super 70s guy's page. Because anytime, anytime anybody farts, that guy makes a shirt about it. You ever notice that? Like somebody, let me make a shirt. Now he's going to have a shirt that said, this guy farted. I'm going to make a shirt. 
But I think he bought it from the uh, 70s guy. So thank you, Rob Sabatini of Average Joe's in Broad Ripple. Thank you very much, Cove in Monroe County. I appreciate that. I want to get your thoughts on it. I know I didn't get a chance because we had to be 30 minutes short yesterday to get a lot of you in. I have made time for that today. When you ask me, all right, so what's going to happen here at the end of the season? As we stand right now, I've already told you what's going to happen at the end of the season. I don't see how in the world the head coach is going to get saved with this unless we see a Disney movie. I will also tell you that I'm sorry. Remember the whole um, joined at the hip between uh, What's-His-Nuts and uh, Pagano, Gregson and Pagano? Remember that? That's how it should be here. Because I know everybody wants to and is incredibly down on Frank, but the position in which he is coaching in right now has been put together by the general manager. The heavy fault on that offensive line is all right there. So, you know, just kind of olaying that, letting it go by, that's not right. Uh, We have plenty of time to talk about that. Rake Straw, bottom of the hour. Ben Brown of PFF. Can you ask if he can look up the numbers? What numbers can we look at, have Ben look up for Ellinger? Anything come to mind? Preseason numbers versus third string (laughs) guys no No, longer on teams? What do you think? Anything? Texas numbers? I think preseason numbers probably look better than Texas numbers. Yeah, none of that crap matters, does it? No. I hope you guys get a Disney movie. But a lot of this Disney movie and those hopes also will rely on the shoulders of others being able to do their job at the level in which we thought and they're getting paid. And I think I have about as much doubt regarding that as I do anything else. Quick break and we'll come back. Got your phone calls. Ben Brown, PFF, the data scientist. Zach Kiefer in the 5 o'clock hour as well. He was apparently on with Rich Eisen today. Rich Eisen. What's Rich Eisen on? You know? He's on Roku. Roku's channel. He's on a Roku stick. Shout out to Eisen for being on the Roku stick. He's obviously on the NFL Network, but where that show is. Zach's going to be here in the 5 o'clock hour. All right, uh, load up too. I'm going to get some people down to a party. Because if the football is not going to be that great coming up on Sunday, I'm at least going to get you drunk before you – no, I'm joking. I'm going to have – I am going to give you a really nice time before you go across the street and watch some football coming up on Sunday with the BullseyeEventGroup.com Colts VIP tailgate. Got to listen to win. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, the app, the stream, HD Radio, 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I don't understand the words you just said. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Ben Brown, the PFF data scientist. Hey, lickety inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I don't mind you. I tell you what, just be a crank to me, okay? Don't be a crank to everybody else in there. Seat back. I'm sorry I missed the reach down between my legs part. My bad. So lickety, if you're going to if you're going to practice jackassery, practice it to me and not to everybody else. All right. 
I want to run. I want to run the good folks inside the lounge for your YouTube live off. All right. All right. You just bring it to me. I will take the jackassery. <laughs> so I just don't want to have to run anybody off. I'm just not that type of guy. I mean, unless you're just a an absolute hardcore jackass, which there are some. I just don't want to be that guy. I try really hard not to be that guy, be Mr. Thin-Skin, wine-crying, victim-playing, whiner. Know what I mean? I try really hard not to be that guy. Now, certainly we can have fun because I am I am a chief operator of having fun in there. But, yeah, just make sure we're not going to run some folks off. I don't want that. If you're on hold, I'll get back to you in a second. Sam Ellinger is the starter for the first time coming up on Sunday. Matt Ryan is benched. And to talk about it on the postgame show, which should be an absolute blast, I'm sure like it was this past weekend. His name is Greg Rakestraw, the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Are you excited? I'm intrigued. I'm not sure if I'd go as far as excited yet. Uh, I'm a little surprised. Now, again, if there's an injury, yeah. then it's a different story. Um I am surprised that that there is an injury, but yet still a, de- a declarative statement. Hey, we would have made this move anyway. Um, and honestly, this was the major topic that we had on the post game show on Sunday. Was fans saying, "Hey, I think it's time to make a move to go to Sam Ellinger." So I'm not saying it's the wrong move. I'm just saying that I, I'm kind of surprised that it's that it's now that the move is getting getting made. And again, we have to throw the asterisk on there because. Uh, if it is a legitimate injury to the shoulder of Matt Ryan, then obviously there's not exactly much debate. Ellinger's the guy you're going. Well, there's no doubt. Now they're going to put Ryan in a glass case, right, and make sure that nothing further happens. So when you cut him loose, uh, your your uh, financial hit is not going to be as bad as it might be. Correct? That's what we're going to see now? I, at this point, I have no earthly idea. Um, but that's when, a pretty when, good theory I'm dropping right here on you, Correct. Glass case theory? Yeah. There's only about 70 bajillion theories at this point. Uh, But it's mine. It's mine, Greg. Come on, brother. Come on. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, if they had moved Quentin Nelson to left tackle, I'm sure none of this would have happened. Um, (laughs) Cheers. Thank you. You're you're welcome. Um, Again, at this point, I honestly don't know uh, because I'm out of answers. I'm out of guesses. I'm out of logic uh, with this group being 3-3-1 because it's nothing like I thought we would see this year. Now, I say this, as bad as Matt Ryan has been, uh, injury or not, deserving to grab some bench, it all starts with an offensive line. He would have been better. He still may have been washed, but he would have been certainly better if this offensive line would have played anywhere near a level in which anybody expected. That is correct. Um, and at the same time, him making bad decisions is also correct, even with the offensive line play being being bad. I mean, again, you look at his stats from from Sunday, it was 33 of 44. I realize almost all of those were in the short passing game. He basically averaged about five and a half yards an attempt right. uh, for the way the, the passing yards went out. And while that's not a great stat from an NFL standpoint, it's good enough to win when your defense allows 12 points when you don't make two awful throws like the pick six and, and frankly, the other one that led to the next field goal for the Titans. So, again, both those things can be true. Has the offensive line been anywhere close to what we thought it would be? No. 
Has Matt Ryan been what we thought anywhere close to what he would be? No, he hasn't been either. You know, it's funny about that. I, I don't know if they went this far in, in selling this offensive line and, and selling a rejuvenating attempt to play quarterback someplace else. But it kind of sounded like there was conversations about, you know, being in the pocket like a, a protective golden half halo, if you will, which honestly, you do blame him for making bad mistakes in judgment, throwing balls, dropping balls, whatever. But there are no way in the world that uh, from what they told him it was going to be up here with the old line and that running game that he got anywhere near that. I thought we would see basically a more mobile Phillip Rivers. I thought that's what we were going to see this fall, that that Ryan could throw the ball down the field better than Rivers could, that Ryan could use his feet to buy time better than Rivers could, that he would deliver it on target the way Phillip Rivers did, and that he would get the running game that Phillip Rivers had uh, with Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor in 2020, and that he would get the protection of the offensive line that Phillip Rivers did in 2020. That's why I thought this was a great move. I thought this is going to be an upgrade from what Carson Wentz was a year ago. And you could say that it's been the same or even worse through the first seven games of the season. So, um, again, there's plenty of fingers of blame to go around on this, John. Greg Raystraw, post-game show host of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So, changing up the offense again, like the second time, really. In the last three weeks, what do you expect? How are they going to try to cobble this together to get the most out of a guy that's never played the position at this level? You're going to see a lot of RPO, and you would see a handful of that with Matt Ryan. But now you obviously have a quarterback that can threaten to run the football uh, with, with, with Sam Ellinger. And so I think you will see you know, a, a dramatic change of offense, much like we did in going to the two-minute drill between – Denver and Jacksonville to hurry up on a regular basis. And we saw kind of a version of that with some more Jonathan Taylor runs, at least in the first half mixed in last week. Well, now I think you will see a lot of RPO. Um, do, do I still think they could use the up-tempo, quicker-paced offense with Ellinger? Absolutely, I think they do. But maybe some more boots with, with getting Ellinger out of the pocket at a more mobile pocket. I think that is also something that is more likely with having number four back there instead of number two. All right. What else? What else has crossed your mind in the past nearly, I guess, 24 plus hours as far as what what you expect coming up on Sunday all the way around? I guess what I would say is this, is that don't give up on the season just yet. And I'm not saying that based on some sort of glowing belief in the capability of this football team. I I base it on two things. One, 10 weeks is a long time in the National Football League. So many things can change between now and then for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, And two, there's a whole lot of average with the Indianapolis Colts right now. In other words, there's not much great in the National Football League. Now, you'll see – and again, I'm I'm not sure how great the Vikings and Eagles are even if I think they're amongst the best teams right now in the NFL, a lot can change in a month before the Eagles are here on October the 20th. A lot can change in two months before the Colts go play the Vikings on December, on December 17th or December 18th. And so there's a lot of season left. And if maybe, just maybe, this is the spark, knowing that I think this defense is pretty good, knowing that, hey, the wide receivers and tight ends from a playmaking standpoint – 
maybe are farther along than we thought they were, that maybe this is the change that unlocks just enough potential on this team where they can win five or six games, and that might be enough to be a playoff team this year. So there is still a lot of possibility out there for this football team to go and do something with it. So Greg Raystraw, the post-game show host on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I'd mentioned this. You, you kind of get it on, on, on both sides because they, there's no doubt they believe that. But again, much like what you're saying, that doesn't make it true. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. They hope that it turns into a, a Disney type of movie script. Um, but if it doesn't, then – you move on and kind of set yourself up, I guess. You know, keep playing it out, but you set yourself up um, to uh, really look at a higher-level type of quarterback if you can move up a little bit further. Can I guess depending upon, Greg, where they end up as far as win-losses at the end of the year. But do you think anybody will go back and go, wait a minute, you do this when you're 3-3-1. Three, and one. Even though you've only won one out of five within your own division, you're still 3-3-1, three, three and one, as you mentioned, in the AFC, where nobody except for Buffalo is really running away with anything. You think any of the folks around here, especially those that go to games and pay for tickets, might look at that and go, well, wait a minute, what are you guys doing before Halloween? Um, I, th- I think the proof will be in the pudding on uh, on Sunday. And I have no idea what to expect from a crowd standpoint Sunday at Lucas Oil. I was honestly pleasantly surprised. Oh, they'll be fired up on Sunday. I think most of the right. fans dig this. It's just going to be right. when that digging it wears off because of the level of play. Let's face it. On Sunday, it, it, you've got something new. Um, I'll go back to the Jacksonville game. You know, Jacksonville probably is the team that brings the fewest amount of fans of any team in the National Football League. And that's not just an effect here, but literally everywhere. So I'm like, okay, it's beginning of fall break. It's a beautiful day. Colts have been disappointing, even with the win against Denver. I'm not sure that what the fan base is going to look like on the, on the 16th. Place was nearly full. Um, now you've got a quarterback change. Um, I, I don't think people are going to stay away in droves because of it. But I think what the rest of the season looks like from both a fan interest standpoint and simply a butts in seats standpoint. I think is largely based on how Sam Ellinger plays on Sunday afternoon. Hey, quick one before I cut you loose here. Got a big Friday night coming up of high school football. What are you doing? So I'm going to do Carmel and Westfield. We on ISC have three games. So Carmel Westfield on MyNDTV TV 23, Ben Davis Brownsburg on Comcast 81. We're also producing Plainfield at Harrison in the 5A ranks. All those are streamed for free on the IHSA Champions Network and IHSATV.org. There's a whole lot of good matchups, especially in the larger classes. Where everybody had last week off, there's some really good first-round sectional matchups. And uh, we have three of them under the ISC banner. If it's free, it's me. <laughs> and you'll take three. You can watch all of them when you go to IHSATV.org. Did you find the mobile scoreboard that you were looking for? I did, uh, and so this was for a uh, uh, a, a college that uh, had to move a game because of another event at their place, and the place they were going to didn't think they had a mobile scoreboard. I had three different people reach out to me, and it turns out the place they were going to, in fact, had a mobile scoreboard. Nice. So the ask wasn't even needed, but thank you to Drew and Brad and Tony, who were nice enough to respond and say, hey, here you go in case they need it. You know that that was close to my nickname in high school. It was Immobile Scoreboard is what I was (laughs) in high school. 
I thought you were the guy in Green County that would simply yell, get you an assist every time somebody's going to pass you. I I I was very immobile. I could stand out there and just wait for somebody to finally swing that thing around. I I often wonder, I go, hey, any of you numbnuts out there ever thrown a skip pass, Greg? I mean, seriously, anybody ever thrown a skip pass? I mean, here I am, wide open, ready to go. It's amazing the scouting report I get from all of my friends that have at one point in time played pickup basketball with you. When they go, when they're, they're they're like surprised that your own self description of your game is remarkably accurate. Yeah. When they go, you know, he really doesn't go inside the three point line. I'm like, no, uh-uh. no, he does not. That's twenty feet. Don't have to travel up and down the floor. So that you know, it, when John tells you folks he's not going to shoot, you know, he ain't shooting no layups. It's open mm. threes when John's playing pickup. Uh, Mark Barnheiser, the fantastic head coach of Lafayette, Jeff, told me years ago, threes better than two. <laughs> now you, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. I'm actually going to broadcast yes. an Indiana State game in November, and I almost picked up the Trinity Christian game. Oh yeah, featuring. Braxton, Braxton, yeah, that, that is actually on a Sunday. The Colts have off; they play the following Monday, then Monday night, the next night against Pittsburgh. But instead, John, I am going to do the Indiana State Drake game on November thirtieth. Well, so Bra- perhaps, yes, perhaps you can arrange to do the show at the newly refurbished Holman Center that day, and maybe you could reprise your role as my color commentator some 20 years later as that you and I sounds... do Indiana State Sycamore radio together to open up Missouri Valley Conference play. That sounds brilliant. That's a brilliant idea that you got right there. Reach out to the powers that be and let's make it happen. <laughs> and let's see if the new basketball coach will see will bring you the same beer disguised in a Pepsi cup that the last one did. I'm trying to get uh, – I want to get Braxton a uh, an internship with the Pacers. He wants to do some basketball stuff, so obviously <laughs> – just keep him clear of Miles Turner's layup line. <laughs> exactly. All right, buddy. Appreciate you. See you, dude. Drake's are on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I want to thank everybody for being in there. You can crank it up to a respectable roar. And again, I'm not going to jump in there to cut people loose. I'm not going to jump on Twitter to cut anybody loose. I don't want to. I'm not Mr. Sensitive and try to act like I'm not. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to whine, cry, and play the victim. This is for real right here. But I just I don't want jackassery to run people off in there. And again, if you're going to bring the jackassery, you can bring it to me. Bring it to me. Top of the hour, Ben Brown, PFF. He's going to run some numbers on all this mess right now. Zach Kiefer in the 5 o'clock hour. I got some more regarding the Colts, their situation with Ellinger on Sunday. Uh, the decision, the decision-making timetable, and if everybody in that locker room is on board with that particular decision. That and more coming up on the other side. 93.5, The Fan. Don't leave. The Ride with JMV. Awesome! Totally awesome! All right, Hamilton. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Science... Hey, check out my shirt. Shout out to Rob Sabatini, Average Joe's and Broad Ripple for the uh, Dalton from Roadhouse. Quote, be nice until it's time not to be nice. Sean writes this. So if Ellinger tears it up and gets them into the playoffs, how much credit do we give Ballard for drafting? I'm going to say this. You give him plenty of credit. All the credit in the world. This is well calculated. 
all the credit in the world. If this turns into a Disney movie, if there's a screenplay regarding this, all the credit in the world. But until that point in time, what do you think the results reflect? How excited on what he and they have put together? People always ask me, you got to give this a minute. Give it seven weeks. Give it seven weeks, and not only with what I was talking about, but with, you know, what the Colts and that decision made. I don't want to see anybody lose their gig or anything like that, but I can't sit here and tell you the decisions that they have made have been good ones because they haven't. And there is a small percentage of folks that just wants to hear nothing but that, and then there's an even larger percentage that wants to say, hey, I told you so, because you did that after the Jacksonville game. You know how much I told you so so stuff I got? Frank Reich was handing out the I told you so on the Colts Roundtable Live last week regarding their wide receivers. They beat Jacksonville at home. There's raising the bar high. Well, we told you these guys were going to come around. <laughs> what, what is, what's the best, though, was you come to this decision after, if you go back to the game on Sunday, at some point during the game, you know, what's going to make this second half? This was, you know, asked of right by the sideline reporter, what's going to make the second half better? Or what can you do in the second half to be better? You know, all those questions that they ask. And uh, he had mentioned, well, we have Matt Ryan. Just the day prior. Hey, Adam, before I get to Ben Brown, I know you've been on hold for a while. Jump on here really quick. Yeah, hey, how you doing, JMB? Go ahead, brother. Hey, uh, I know that I watched the game on Sunday, and, man, it was – that officiating crew was terrible. Uh, Naeem Hines got a face mask call – or didn't get a face mask call. We got one against us for grabbing a jersey. Yeah. Uh, it's just – I don't know, and I'm hoping that there's a spark for old Sam to come out and rock the house on Sunday. I hope, Adam, I hope, because you've sat through a lot as a Colts fan, and if you go to the game, you're paying that price of admission, paying all it entails going to a game. Are you going to the game? Yes, sir. I'm a season ticket holder. Ah, you know what, Adam? Here's what I'm going to do for you. You get on hold right here. I'm going to send you to Bullseye. I'm going to make sure you have some fun on Sunday. All right? You're going to Bullseye. All right. right, Put him on hold. Put Adam on hold. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna help out in this cause too. I'm gonna to help a little bit of fun as well. I'm way too negative. I'm gonna be the beacon of hope, even beyond what takes place on Sunday in the first NFL start for Sam Ellinger. There you go, Adam. You're gonna to go to Bullseye. BullseyeEventGroup.com before the game coming up on Sunday. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. He's sitting in Minnesota somewhere going, damn, man, would you get me on the show here? How long do I have to stink and wait for this? Ben Brown of PFF, the data scientist, is with us. How are you? I'm doing well. I think I, I kind of want to go to Bullseye on Sunday now that you mentioned it. That sounds like a pretty good time. I know you're sitting there staring at your calculator watch because all you dudes have one going, come on, man, how long do I got to sit here on hold before I can come on your show, right? <laughs> I mean, I enjoy I enjoy the openings. I, uh, I I get a chuckle out of all of all of it. To be honest. With you. Oh, you know, uh, I was trying to figure out a way, Ben, because the Ellinger storyline has basically taken over around here, right? Is, is there a way? Are there any numbers that you can look at 
to give anybody any thought about what what could happen on Sunday? Are there any numbers? I mean, I do think we're going to see, you know, a, a little bit of like a fundamental shift from an offensive scheme perspective. I do think that, you know, w- one of the reasons that Matt Ryan hasn't been successful whatsoever, you know, really, uh, you know, at any point throughout the 2022 season has been, you know, in a lot of ways, the pressure situation. Some of that is definitely his fault. Some of that definitely the offensive line's fault. I do think getting, you know, going in the in a much younger version at quarterback, you're obviously going to have a little bit more rushing upside. I think that was you know, in some ways, at least the benefit that they had with Carson Wentz at quarterback last year in this Colts offense. So I think you will definitely see some production uh, from from Sam Allinger with his legs specifically. But I mean, he is, you know, very much a sixth round draft pick, hasn't made, you know, uh, you know, one NFL start so far. But I do think that he, you know, in some ways has a pretty respectable, I would say, profile for, you know, having some potential success. Uh, at the NFL level, I think, you know, if you want to compare his game, um, you know, a, a guy that, you know, would be at the top of his range, but it very much, I think, you know, as a potential outcome is a guy like Kirk Cousins, you know, fourth round draft pick, not necessarily thought of to have, you know, the strongest arm does try and make, you know, a, you know, a number of throws that maybe he should in certain situations, but for all intents and purposes can kind of get the ball to his playmakers after the catch. Now, the question is, do the Colts have enough playmakers to kind of help elevate Sam Ellinger or not? And I do think, you know, that's, you know, kind of the question that we've had for the past three seasons, I would say, from the Colts perspective. So Ben Brown of PFF with us with the numbers every Tuesday on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I know that ultimately in the NFL, the quarterback is going to get all of the blame, and that's just the way it is. That's why they make so much money, because they get all the accolades, they get all the MVPs, and then when things go haywire, they get all the blame. But logically speaking, looking at your numbers here and your analyst work, how much of his inefficiency or just the debacle we have seen with his play getting him benched, how much of that is him compared to how much of it is the offensive line and a complete and utter lack of what is a running game to this point? Both was expected when they brought him in here. Yeah, I mean, I I think in a lot of ways you do still have to give Matt Ryan, you know, a heavy dose of of the responsibility and the blame. Like you said, a lot of that does fall on the quarterback's shoulders. He is the one guy that is responsible for, you know, uh, adjusting plays at the line of scrimmage if things aren't necessarily set up, you know, from, uh, you know, a possibility of the offense actually being successful given the defensive front, defensive scheme, everything else that he's reading. And he's very much not been effective doing that. And I do think that, you know, in, in some ways we do expect some sort of initial learning curve, bringing in a new quarterback, especially a veteran quarterback, um, you know, in this type of situation, but I think it's been far worse than expected. And I do think that, you know, for how bad everyone's been, it does still fall with the blame at the quarterback position. And I think making the change, you know, to at least find out, you know, not only what you have in Sam Ellinger, but what you maybe have in future years as well uh, is definitely a prudent decision right now. Unfortunately, you're making it with, you know, your back kind of against the wall in so many situations. Yeah. And, and I've said this before. You're three, three, and one, and I know that you've won one of your first five within your division, which basically depances you before Halloween. But you're also three, three, and one in the AFC, where you know everything can be um, a little bit, I guess, out to lunch, with the exception of what you've seen from Buffalo, and you've beaten Kansas City. Is it surprise you that they go with this decision when they do? And now, granted, he's got that shoulder injury, so I'm sure that played a role, but. You know, saying that he's going to be there for the rest of the season, a little bit robust, I would suggest. Does that surprise you? 
I mean, it does. I do, it does a little bit, but um, I, I still think that you know, given the current state of the team, and maybe you know, maybe they're finally, and they probably shouldn't, given you know the track record of where they've been at in previous years, and they could, you know, like you said, you don't want to see anybody lose their job, but they are very much, I would say, in the hot seat from the GM to the coach on through. But they very much are are really not in, you know, I would say in a really good spot to actually contend in the AFC. Now they could definitely be a playoff team, you know, if, if things break right with Sam Ellinger at quarterback or even with Matt Ryan at quarterback. But are they actually going to be, you know, favored in any sort of game, uh, even even if they did somehow win the AFC South, which I'm not really saying they're going to now. But if that was kind of the hope in the preseason, would they still be? even favored in that particular matchup kind of going into that wild card route. And I think that, you know, given the current state of the team and everything else, even if they make the playoffs, there's, there's still not a whole lot closer, I would say to the Super Bowl. So if they eventually want to be a Super Bowl type contending team, I do think that understanding what they have at the quarterback position and finally getting that resolved for a six, you know, a, a number of years in advance, is very much, I would say, uh, the decision that they absolutely have to do. And, you know, kind of taking the Band-Aid off and actually doing that a little bit, I think, is at least uh, the correct approach for 2020. Hey, ben, thumb through your quarterback numbers right now and tell us as it stands, because we're not going to see him again. I'm assuming now that the Colts put him in a shoulder injury glass case and try to save some money on the back end once they cut him loose at the end of the year. So that's that's my assumption here. So, again, the suggestion is season is over. Where do the numbers rank Matt Ryan through these seven weeks of the season we saw him play? Yeah, it was, it was really bad. So I think, uh, you know, if we're looking at all quarterbacks, and this could be some injuries and everything else, all quarterbacks with at least 35 dropbacks, um, from a PFF grading perspective, this is both, um, you know, this is both offense, or this is both uh, rushing the football and passing. Matt Ryan is, you know, the 32nd ranked quarterback. Now there are, you know, some guys currently starting that are under him just based on the injury situation, but you know, he's, he's not even giving them, I would say, league average quarterback play right now. And I think, you know, with, with, with the situation that, you know, wide receiver Alec Pierce has been good, but I think, you know, they still need, uh, you know, somebody there, you know, even, even, even top 15 quarterback play isn't going to get there. And so the fact that you're, you know, kind of a basement dweller from, uh, you know, quarterback play through the first seven weeks of the season is, you know, very much an indictment on, you know, Matt Ryan, just not being very good at this stage in his career, unfortunately. What does he rank? 32nd, basically, um, is where I have him. Did, where you not, have did you not want to go with that number? Did you think it was bad enough that he got, <laughs> I mean, he got I, benched? Is that I his? felt bad. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad. I mean, it's one of those things that it's it's ugly. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about it. I think when you are, um, you know, from a passing perspective, he has been just a little bit better. We have him as a 28th-ranked passing quarterback. Uh, but the fact that he doesn't bring anything with his legs, he drops to you know 32nd when we're looking at overall offensive uh, grade. So it's 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 unfortunately bad. The guys the guys that are right around Matt Ryan right now uh, from a passing perspective, Russell Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and Cooper Rush. So um, you know very much I would say uh, you know Trevor Lawrence obviously probably still hasn't lived up to the hype in year two, but uh, you know very much I would say not 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 a franchise type quarterback grouping that you want to be in right now. Yep. I I appreciate you trying to let everybody down easy on that, but I think most people expected that type of number with the response. Right. Yeah. I'm, I mean, Carson Wentz does have a better passing grade than, than Matt Ryan so far this year. So that's the, that's the, that's the kicker yeah. I would say. Right? Yeah. You know, and who knows that thing, maybe it doesn't change. Maybe it ends the year that way. Right. right? So 
Hey, look up uh, Taylor Heineke. What does he rank coming in here with this mammoth performance we're awaiting coming up on Sunday with uh, Heineke versus Ellinger? So he, yeah, so he was really, I would say, not great from a, from a passing <laughs> perspective last week. I think he was pretty good against the rush, but uh, he had one of the lowest graded passing performances, um, you know, from our perspective. And, and it was all to do uh, with, with five turnover where he plays. Only one of those actually resulted in an interception, but he, he made a lot of like really questionable throws last Sunday uh, and, and kind of got lucky that the Packers weren't able to kind of take advantage of that. If they, if, if they do, uh, you know, I think that the final outcome in that game is pretty different. So I, I do think that, you know, if, if the Colts are opportunistic here on Sunday, they should very much have, uh, you, you know, the ability to at least get or generate, uh, you know, a couple turnovers. I think that's got to be, um, you know, the way in which that the Colts end up winning this game. Did you say the Colts generating turnovers? What uh, year is this? I mean, if, when did if, you say that? If Taylor Heineke, if Taylor Heineke is, uh, you know, giving, gifting them some prepackaged interceptions, maybe, I guess you are right. They were opportunistic, I would say, uh, you know, last year in 2021. And there is, you know, some turnover type luck, which we, we probably haven't fully understood. But um, yeah, I think, you know, that's, that's got to be in some ways the hope is turning over and getting some of those big plays, I would say, defensively. It's Ben Brown of PFF on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'm going to give you just a second while I read this this tweet uh, to me, I would assume here, uh, to look up the offensive line numbers of the Colts, okay? And we'll play off of that as I read you this from Robbie B. I'm sick of hearing how bad the offensive line is. The offensive line hasn't fumbled once or thrown a single interception all year. You can't win games when you keep giving the opponent the ball. Standing like a statue doesn't help anything. At least Sam can run. That is Robbie B. All right, give me those offensive line numbers, and let's even talk up the possibility of improvement with a guy that certainly can move around more than the 37-year-old Ryan. Yeah, so we have the Colts uh, as a 27th-ranked pass-blocking unit uh, through the first seven weeks of the season, so I definitely don't think it's been, I would say, uh, you know, overly successful uh, from a um, from a run-blocking perspective. We basically have them uh, just a little, bit, uh, a little bit above league average, actually, so we have them 13th overall, so... Uh, you know, they've at least been somewhat adequate and it, and it is, you know, sort of an issue if they haven't really been able to, you know, rush the football, even getting somewhat decent run blocking grade. But yeah, the, the pass blocking situation, um, really poor 27th overall. I do think that, uh, you know, the mobile quarterback element definitely helps in that regard. And I do think that, you know, h- him having some ability to escape or at least extend some plays will at least allow the receivers to hopefully get more open in their routes. All right, so do you have enough ammunition to talk me into this right now for Sunday? You got enough ammo? Talk, I mean, talk me, I talk so. me in, talk me into it. I, I have put a great deal of blame on the offensive line and especially in pass protection. But with that movement that everybody wants to talk about and everybody is excited about right now, would you expect there to be? I don't want to say easier. That's wrong, but certainly an improvement in the pass protection with a guy that's not basically cemented into the ground. Yeah, I definitely think we're going to see some improvement. So I think, you know, maybe the pressure rate kind of hovers around where it's at, which is definitely below league average. But I think that the, the, the sustained, you know, 
high, really bad plays that they've experienced because of those pressure situations. Um, I think that's going to be the point where they, you know, that's going to hopefully be the thing that gets cut out because Sam Ellinger is able to, you know, at least throw the football away. If not, you know, maybe turn a highly negative play into, you know, maybe just a couple yard loss or something like that. So I do think we're going to see some improvement in that area. And then that at least somewhat keeps you ahead of the change in certain situations. So you do still have the option to run the football with, you know, Jonathan Taylor or Naheem Hines, and you don't necessarily have to make that, you know, 15 yard throw downfield in order to convert on third and long. So I think that that's the thing is kind of staying ahead of the chains, more run heavy approach. Uh, but I think, you know, if that happens, uh, you know, the Colts should very much, I would say, um, you know, be able to handle this victory, be able to walk away with this game victorious. And that's kind of, you know, the, the direction that the betting market is leaning right now. So Ben Brown of PFF, if you would go ahead and go to the defense. And I want to start with the Washington Commanders, because obviously they may be up front licking their chops a little bit about having a guy that's uh, making his first start in the NFL coming up on Sunday against the Colts. But how has that group performed so far this year? Yeah, I think, you know, they they were kind of, I would say, uh, you know, valued higher than what they've actually lived up to at this point in time. I think some of that is, you know, Chase Young specifically hasn't gotten into the fold. It does sound like he is going to be at least back at practice, but still sounds very much doubtful for this particular week. That is definitely, you know, I would say a win from a Colts pass blocking perspective. But we have uh, the commanders as uh, the 14th best pass rush team so far this season from a PFF grading standpoint, I think. If you're looking at it more from like the pressure situation, uh, they have been better. I think they're fourth overall uh, in, in generating pressure so far this year. So they have had to, I would say, um, you know, it, 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 in some ways manufacture that. I think they have, um, let's see what they have here. I think they have one of the highest blitz rates. Uh, I guess it's more league average blitz rate. So they have been pretty good from a pressure perspective. Um, and, and I do agree with you that, you know, given the current state of the Colts offensive line, uh, they very much, I would say, have to be looking forward to this particular matchup. So chomping at the bit is what you're saying right there. All right. Flip- at the bit. I mean, it's, yeah. It's <laughs> Flip it and find the uh, the Colts defense right here from what we've seen because there's been, there's been a great deal of disappointment and certainly trying to get any turnover, any takeaways whatsoever has been problematic. Whether or not you want to pin that on Shaquille Leonard not being a part of it compared to a year ago, and the pass rush and the guy that I have really been disappointed in is the guy that you rightly said back in the summertime was rotational and couldn't play against the run. And I think right now he's like last against the run. That's Yannick Ngakwe and not doing really that much better as far as consistently getting after the quarterback. What about that Colts defense starting with the Colts defensive line, Ben? Yeah, so it's been, uh, you know, I would say every bit as bad as, you, you know, the eye test has kind of shown you. We have them 27th uh, ranked pass, pass rush unit, basically. Um, hold on. Oh, hold on a second. I'm looking at the wrong thing. I got to look at the right thing here. Sorry. Um, they have been, uh, oh, they're the 28th. Sorry. That's why I got to look at the, the 28th ranked <laughs> pass rush unit <laughs> so far this season. So it has been uh, bad. They are, you know, a little bit better from a pressure perspective, but still below below league average. They're 20th overall uh, in pressure rate generated. But yeah, 28th from a pass rush perspective just have not been, you know, I would say successful in getting after the quarterback, getting after the quarterback quickly. Yeah, you're absolutely right regarding Ngakwe credit where credit is due you said rotational i mean i I was i was upset i I was right about yeah i was i wish i was right about matt ryan i honestly still 
you know, thought he had something left in the tank. And I think, you know, we, we kind of definitely saw, um, you know, through the first three weeks of the season, that was definitely not the case. Held on, did have, you know, I would say the one good game. But I think, you know, last week we kind of talked about the same thing. Now is the time where we need to see him string some string some quality games together. And that just has not been the case. And I honestly just don't know if he has uh, enough left. And when you miss, you know, at the quarterback position, uh, you know, the rest of the wheels fall off. So I think that, you know, even being right on Yannick Ngakwe, uh, it, it doesn't really help or feel good because the Matt Ryan miss was, uh, you know, a, a pretty big air ball from my perspective. How much does it matter? And Ben Brown of PFF was with us. I mean, everybody says, obviously, in the, the giveaway takeaway department, that's that's always big. But it it seems like maybe around the NFL, it's even more mammoth with those teams that don't take it away compared to giving it away like what we've seen with the Colts that just buries you I mean absolutely buries yeah. you I mean in a, in a lot of ways and some of these turnovers they are you know worth more from the the EPA type perspective than a lot of the touchdown right like unless you're getting you know a, a 40 or 30 or 40 or 50 yard kind of touchdown play that one play, you know, isn't necessarily shifting the overall outcome of a game like a, like a turnover does. So I think that, you know, getting those plays and again, kind of going back to it, it is, it is kind of hard to, you know, predict who's going to be successful. Turnovers do seem, you know, very much random uh, and kind of tough to predict from, you know, a, a math and data science type perspective. But, uh, you know, the, the impact that any one turnover can have is just so great to any specific game. And I do think that, you know, being opportunistic, whether that's, you know, coachable or what, uh, you know, it, it is very much, I would say, a skill set that, you know, we're still trying to understand, I would say, from an analytics perspective. Was that 28th ranking the overall defense of the Colts or just that D-line? It was just the pass rush grade okay. that they had. So I can do overall. Yeah, um, give me give me an overall look because I will say this. There are some – Grover Stewart has played well. Uh, certainly recently DeForest Buckner has played well. There have been some dudes defensively that don't deserve to be, you know, covered up in that, that particular 28th ranking up front right there. But overall defensively, where do they go? Yeah, we have them – um 22nd overall from a defensive ranking so they definitely have been good you know i, I would say better um you know in, in in like the run defense perspective like you said uh with grover specifically has been pretty good the coverage unit i would say middle of the pack so the pass rush i would say is, is the spot where they have definitely been weakest uh but overall yeah we have them basically as the 22nd best you know overall team defensive uh ranking in the nfl so far this year All right, there you go those are the numbers. Three, three, and one, the Colts, and they're going to start for the first time. Sam Ellinger coming up on Sunday against Taylor Heineke and the Commanders of Washington. You're going to have that on like three TVs of your place, aren't you? I'm going to have it on. I I did. I mean, I obviously watched the majority of the Titans game, but the heartbreak at the end was just too much for me, so I had to turn uh, it off. But I will be, uh, you know, sweating this one out to the bitter. And I did bet. I did bet way too much on the Colts uh, last Sunday as well. So the pain was just uh, very real for me. But I find myself, you know, cheering for the Colts. I've kind of always had a soft spot, uh, you know, in my heart, I would say, since like a young kid for an Indianapolis Colts. Kind of, they are, I would say, very much my second team. So I'd like to see them you know, get the ship right and kind of moving in the right direction. So you look at um, Tennessee, Tennessee is not that good either. They're just not, they're just, right. they're, they're better coached to me, better coached. And 
they they have that guys are just going to to get it done, and the, the Colts just seemingly don't have those guys, and it's been that way for the past couple of years in these these matchups with the Titans. Right, right. I mean, I would say you know definitely this year you know slightly better quarterback play, uh, you know especially, but you know outside of that, I think you know the Colts for the most part. Maybe, you know, the pass rush situation once again, but kind of outside of that, I think they should probably be, you know, probably have the advantage in every other facet of play. But, uh, you know, like you said, I think coaching specifically, we've seen Mike Brable consistently kind of, you know, win football games that a lot of people don't necessarily think they're going to win, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and I think that carries over. And I think it's, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, this, this culture or character type thing that, uh, you know, people, people talk about quite a bit, but have a really hard time you know, nailing down or quantifying, I would say. Ben, fantastic as always, man. I appreciate jumping on here every Tuesday. And uh, get get ready with your number crunchers and your bean counters because we got to go deep into Ellinger territory coming up next Tuesday, all right? It's going to be fun. It's going to be positive. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. Ben, Thanks. appreciate you, man. Thank you. Ben Brown of PFF, the data scientist, right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. JMV at 1075thefan.com is the email address. JMV, do you believe that the Colts are tanking right now? I can tell you they expect they expect to win with, with Ellinger. They think that that's a winning move. It's not like that I believe it's a winning move, but they believe it's a winning move. And then honestly, Kyle, you can put it this way. If you were tanking, you could just leave the guy in that's ranked last in the NFL playing quarterback, could you not? I mean, there's, here's your tank. You just leave Matt Ryan in there. Yeah, at least, uh, and then maybe a switch to Ellinger if the season is lost to see what you have in Sam and make a decision on the draft for next year. Robbie B got me thinking. Am I going too overboard on the offensive line? No, they suck. They do suck. Thank you. They do suck. They, the Colts believe that he can win. And if you wanted to tank, you can just leave the dude that was in there at the age of 37, and that's a pretty good job of tanking right there. You guys know who Bobby DePaul is? Sounds like I just made up a name right there. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah, my name is jo- <laughs> my name is Johnny Seton Hall. Bobby DePaul apparently is a former NFL and college coach. Anybody interested in what he has to say regarding this Colts move? Uh, if you are cool, if you're not, you're going to hear it anyway. Quick break, and we'll come back. Top of the hour, Zach Key for your calls at 239-1070 right now. Let's work you in. Somebody's going to go to Bullseye on Sunday. We'll pick a winner coming up in a bit. And inside the lounge via YouTube Live, get in there, involved in the conversation right now. That's the lounge via YouTube Live with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. No, oh, this makes me feel good. Sing it, Al Green. Uh, keep that in mind when you get wound a little bit too tight. This is a go-to song. Let it roll for a minute. Mm-hmm. Those moments when you're wound just a little bit too tight. Al Green. I mentioned this. Bobby DePaul 
apparently is a former NFL and college coach, NFL college and pro scout, over 25 years professional football experience, played football at the University of Maryland. In case you're just curious, maybe you're not, but you're going to get it anyway. Here's what he had to say about what the Colts did in maneuvering, benching Ryan and bringing in Ellinger. Meet the next Jim Harbaugh of the Colts. Sam Ellinger, number four. To all of those so-called football analysts talking about my man Chris Ballard, worried about finding a quarterback, he already has one. You just don't know it yet. Didn't anybody watch preseason tape? Bobby DePaul. And again, if you're saying, okay, who's that? I don't know if this matters either. But Jason Lockenfora, what does he do? CBS or whatever the hell he does? Says, you got to listen to that guy because he knows what he's talking about. I'm just trying to spread a little bit of cheer after that Al Green reentry. So if you're out there right now, if you're talking junk about his man, Chris Ballard, worried about finding that quarterback of the future, Bobby DePaul says he's been found. Sam Ellinger. You can respond to that if you like. Daryl to 239-1070. Hello. Daryl. Hey, how you doing? I'm great, Daryl. Go ahead. Yeah, listen to Jake earlier today when he was interviewing with uh, Frank, and I don't think Frank's actually on the same page of winning football for the Colts. I think he's got to go. He did not mention RPO one bit in that little stint of interview. That's what pro football is nowadays. He still wants to try to stay with the traditional drop-back passing, and that game's gone. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Frank Reich has plenty of reason to be concerned about his gig. I don't know if a soundbite or two would be one, but he's got plenty of reason to worry about it at the end of the year. No doubt. Well, no doubt. Frank's not the potential of the players that uh, Ballard's bringing in or Ballard's not getting the right players, one of them got to go. No, oh, well, they, they, listen, they're both – you know, as much as we we joked about tied at the hip between you know Grigson and Pagano, it should be the same here. I mean, one's picking them, the other's coaching it, um, and then you've got you know the owner stepping in and saying, "Hey, get me a new quarterback, get this quarterback, get that quarterback," and this has all been a recipe for a very disappointing three, three and one before Halloween and going to a rookie quarterback game against the Commanders on Sunday. That's not what everybody expected, and that's certainly not what they said was going to happen. That's a them problem. That's deja vu from last year. We've not made any corrections. We we put a little sugar on on the on the bread to try to sweeten it up, but the team's not performing to its capabilities. Somebody's got to be held accountable. Daryl, thank you for the call. Kyle, you ever put sugar on bread? I've never heard of that. (laughs) Here's a little sugar on my bread. No, it's a them problem. That's a them problem. All of them. Now, clearly, Jim Irsay is not going anywhere. But to suggest that one would be deserving of it over the other, coach the general manager, would be inaccurate. They're both floating around on the SS Menno right now. 
Uh, Tony's up next at 239-1070. Tony, jump on board. Hey, actually, they're floating around the SS toilet. But uh, <laughs> I have a few things for you, bro. Yo. First off, like you said, they, they think they can win with Ellinger. You know, big whoop. They thought they could win with Matt Ryan. They thought they could win with Carson Wentz. So that means zero to me that they said that. Second, if Ellinger does turn out to be awesome, that is an indictment on Reich and an indictment on Ballard because they had this kid, and instead of trying to see what he could do, they spent a third-round pick on a guy that couldn't do it. Um, also, it's frustrating, you know. Hit the, let's talk about Ballard the most now because I'm ready for both of them to be gone at the end of the year too. His principal philosophy is building through the trenches. JMV, because I have another question after this. When is the last time we had a pass rush that was worth a crap since Mathis and Freeney? Oh, you haven't. Yeah, that's that's so one of the most disappointing aspects. Yes, it has. Yes, right. And then our we had we thought we had a good offensive line. We put all this money into him, and it turns out we're not really building through the trenches on that side either. And he came from a team that was the Chiefs. Yeah, you know they moved up to get Mahomes. Yes, you know the year luck if luck retires a year earlier. Guess who was drafted one pick after Quentin Nelson? Yes. Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Yes. You know, I mean, for God's sake. So, like, lose a couple of draft picks, move up. The, you know, the picks we've spent on, like, Wentz and on Ryan could have been packaged with another first-round pick to move up and get somebody. So I say toss them all and start fresh next year, man. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Tony, for the call right there. Tony's about ready to get me fired up once again. You know what? Hey, turn me back up over there. I need to chill out one more time. Hold on. Turn me back up. Trying to keep my blood pressure down here today on this Tuesday, everybody. All right. All right. Stefan, you're next at 239-1070. Don't raise my blood pressure, Stefan. It's up to you. Um, (laughs) Well, I'm hit. (laughs) So, my thing is this. Yeah. The talent on the team is there. And I feel like Frank kind of poked his nose inside inside too many times when Ballard was cooking his stew. I said this to you once, and I'll say it again. If we would have went with the plan initially, if we would have rolled out the Kobe percent, and then we would have been up in the, we'd have been up at the top where we could possibly draft the Justin Fields. This is where we're at now. No, so, and, and not only that, and you, you go back even further than that. When you just would have just – you mentioned write it out. You know, luck walks away and just monumentally hoses everybody that's ever worn a shred of Colts gear or anything and paid for a ticket. When he just screwed everybody up by walking away in the fashion and the time in which he did, you go with Brissett that one year and then you go in on trying to find your quarterback of the future. You can't not tell me if they look back on it right now, they would not second guess themselves in wanting to do that. Oh, man. And then also, just to help you out with your blood pressure here, <laughs> so this is my favorite. This sure. is my favorite. So I've been watching a couple of the, the blogs and stuff and everything. So everybody's whining now that the defense is – everybody's turning into a layup line. And it's like, we just can't play defense. We can't find defense. Yeah, that's kind of what Miles Turner was doing. <laughs> but, oh, so oh are you on my side with Miles? I'm so used to people bagging on Miles. This is, like, new to me right here. But, but but it's hilarious because everybody's whining about the defense, about the – oh, it's turning into a layup line. They're not stopping them. That's because Miles Turner's not down there. You're worried about rebounds. Oh, oh, oh guess yes, what? yes. Yeah, I, guess what? Talk to me, Stefan. Talk to me. Them block shots. 
where they make it where you can't just go down there and lay the ball up and get a free two points now. Miles is not there. Stephon, you're working completely opposite. I'm starting to get a bit aroused right here. This is a sports arousal. You better stop. I'm just saying. Like, you literally, it is the most hilarious thing on the planet. But then now their new scapegoat is Chris, is the Warte. Oh, he's just not as good as he's supposed to. No, no, no. This is what, what, what everybody's been trying to tell you. This is why there, there's value in Miles Turner. It's because he covers up a lot of issues that aren't on the team that most players, until so they can get there, happen. Stephon? So no, nobody wants to blow past Duarte because they got to deal with Miles. So they'll sit and take a three, and then you get, oh, Isaiah Jackson gets the rebound. Why Miles Turner rebounded? Well, that shot that just came off the rebound was Miles Turner. Stefan, are you going to the game Sunday? Yes. All right, you're on hold. You're going to Bullseye because you just gave me a sports arousal. That's the best call I've received in forever. That's a feel good. I needed a feel good. I needed to pick me up. Stefan just did it. Get Stefan into the Bullseye Event Center, Kyle, coming up on Sunday. He's going to eat and drink forever on a Sunday just because of that call. I'm assuming now it's just me and Stefan. We're on that little island right now, that little island, the island of Miles. That was completely opposite. To dial that down a little bit. I have to play a, an incredibly sad song now to dial it up. That's beautiful. Now, you're going on me right there, Stefan, with that call. And I will call that. That is the best call that we have heard in a long time. <laughs> a quick break and we'll come back. Kyle, let me take one here. Zach Key for the athletic top of the hour. And more of me and more of you inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'm sure that this whole Miles call is going to spark some interest in there. Jump in. 239-1070. We're back with you next. The Ride with JMV. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg Raystraw, Ben Brown of PFF. Slippery Noodle, RCD Bourbon Locks, Luna's Old Tequila Shots coming up on Thursday. Friday, Whiskey Business. And if you want to see Sam Ellinger in his NFL Colts debut, that is coming up on Sunday, and I'm going to give you a chance to win tickets with our friends from Bud Light on Friday, a Bud Light Blue Friday Commander's Tickets. The Whiskey Business location on Pendleton Pike coming up on Friday. Love to see you there. The debut of one, Sam Ellinger. Back to your calls in a second, but on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from The Athletic covering the Colts, Zach Kiefer joins us. You agree with me on this because I've constantly been told by folks over there because people ask, Colts fans say, do they really believe this is you know a game-winning type of move they're making at quarterback? And even if I don't believe it, they believe it, and Ryan was so bad on the season so far, they believe in this move even if others don't, correct? Yeah, I think they're buying that. I think they're selling that. I don't know if it's going to pan out that way. I think I'm on I don't think it team, will. But <laughs> so, yeah, but that's, I, I they, they do believe in it right now, and uh, that doesn't mean we have to, but they do. I think all of your listeners out there, anyone who's watched this team play would agree with this statement. Yards are so freaking hard to come by right now, and they need to do something. I, 
I don't think anybody out there would disagree with me when I say that seven, nine, and one, or eight, eight, and one, or whatever they would finish with Matt Ryan, because this team wasn't going to go anywhere right now, as currently constructed, does nothing for this franchise. It does nothing for the fan base. It does nothing for Frank Reich or Chris Ballard. And certainly it's not good enough for Jim Irsay. So, you know, there's a very strong feeling within the building that we want to see what we have in this kid. Now, whether that goes good or bad, we're going to have to find out. And honestly, I'm a little anxious to see, but they've seen enough of Matt Ryan. They know what he is. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an either or situation when you look at why this didn't work. I think it's both a failure from the team and then the quarterback didn't help his case by turning the ball over so often. So Zach Kiefer with us. There's no doubt about that. I want to get to Matt Ryan uh, and what's going to end up happening to him in a second. People all also ask me, like I'm sure they're asking you, you know, they say first, hey, Frank Rags got to go. There's no way he can do it. I, I go back to Jim Irsay with the you know tie at the hip of Grigson and Pagano. I'm sorry, Ballard and Reich should be the same right here because to me it is equal. What has been put together is not working. What has been coached is not working. I know it's not going to go down that way, but to me it should. Yeah, Grigson and Pagano were tied at the hip until they weren't. And, and I remember asking that question to Jim Irsay a year later after he fired Ryan Grigson. I said, whatever happens, it's tied at the hip. And he looked right at me and he said, I untied them. So you're tied at the hip and continuity is great and, until it's not working. This is not working right now. Now, I will say this. There's 10 games left. This is a huge, huge, huge challenge for Frank Reich and, and the coaching staff right now, the offensive coaching staff, Marcus Brady, Scott Milanovich. But it's also an opportunity. If they can somehow get something going with Frank, with Frank Reich and Sam Ellinger, we'll see what happens because they were not getting anything going, anything with Matt Ryan and this offensive line that is putrid and that has regressed into one of the worst in football. So there's an opportunity there. But I think, and, and I know you've been screaming this for years, it has never been more apparent that this Band-Aid at quarterback, this carousel, this let's go find somebody else's garbage stale quarterback every year is not going to work. It hasn't worked. They've missed on the last two. It's never been more apparent that you need to go find one. And I don't mean in the third round. I don't mean in the second round. You need to find one in the first round this next year. Now, does Chris Ballard make that pick? That's going to be Jim Irsay's decision. Um, and whether Frank Wright coaches that quarterback is another Jim Irsay decision. Zach Kiefer is with us. Back to Ellinger in a second and some of those decisions that will be made. Regarding the decision on Matt Ryan, 37-year-old quarterback is now going to be in a glass case until the end of the season here to make sure he is healthy, of good health, uh, when they cut him loose to save a little bit of money. Is that where we're going on this? I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I don't want to speculate. We had so many questions, questions to, answer, to ask yesterday about you know, Sam Ellinger and this decision that Matt Ryan's future wasn't something we got to. We will get to that in the coming days. $12 million guaranteed for next year. I believe it's an $18 million cap it. That's prohibitive. But, again, this was a team that was willing to pay a lot of money to Carson Wentz to go away last year if, if they couldn't find a trade partner. They did. They got away with that. Uh, this will be fascinating. As of right now, on the depth chart that the team released today, which I don't put a lot of stock in usually, but this was telling, Sam Ellinger is the one, Nick Foles is the two, Matt Ryan is the three. Now, I don't think Matt Ryan takes another snap as the Colts quarterback this season, barring significant injuries to the first two. But if he's healthy, which I think he will be at some point when the Colts are playing games, 
I would think he's your number two and not your number three. But then again, does it even matter at this point? Because it's going to be Sam Ellinger's show. And, and, and I think it's good they're giving him more than – they didn't want to give him a short leash. They didn't want to just pull him after an interception because those are going to come. I think it's a fair 10-game assessment to see what you have in Sam Ellinger. This probably gets you a better draft pick as well. And it sets up the table for the next move, which is really the one that matters. All right, Ellinger on Sunday. What's your expectation? And are they working hard and late to try to reformat this offense, really for the second time in now three weeks, to fit a guy that's never played the position at the NFL level that's going to be thrust into this? Other team knows it. Everybody knows it. And we're talking about still, Zach, this Colts team's 3-3-1 three, three, and one before Halloween. There are a lot of teams out there probably would say, I wish this team was 3-3-1 three, three, and one right now. Yeah, that's the funny part. I mean, they're, they're still in this right now. They're in a better spot than they were a year ago in terms of record, right? They were 2-5 and five a year ago. And the difference being Carson Wentz had turned 11 touchdowns and one interception. And, and, and we've talked a lot about the quarterback mess now. John, I'll be honest, I can't wait to see what they do with Sam Ellinger on Sunday. I can't wait to see, like, what it looks like because I was tired of watching what I was watching. I mean, does anybody want to go, you know, watch more of what we saw in Denver or what we saw in Tennessee? Um, At least you give the kid a chance. And and to answer your question about what they're going to do with him, they're going to do all the things you think they're going to do. They're going to roll him out on boots and naked, and they're going to move him around, and they're going to do a different offense. Marcus Brady said today that they're different quarterbacks, and Matt Ryan – they had built an offense around him to win in the pocket, and now they don't have to win in the pocket because Sam can move and he can make some stuff happen. He's not going to be as accurate. I thought Ryan was really accurate with tight window throws when he wasn't throwing to the other team, and that will that will be something that will be hard to replicate because that's really hard to do, that, that really high-level accuracy. But the thing is, like, tell me if I'm crazy. I think Ellinger's going to make a couple things happen, maybe get a couple third downs with his legs, I think this might be a good thing for Jonathan Taylor because if you watch the way the Titans defended the Colts on Sunday, they knew the Colts couldn't go down the field. The Colts have three receivers who are big play guys who have been relegated to 10-yard catches or less, right? Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell. Like, the Titans knew the Colts couldn't go deep because Ryan's arm, it it doesn't look good. Like, it looks like it's almost shot. I mean, did you see that Paris Campbell out route that took – forever to get there the the Colts noticed that the Colts saw that they know there were limitations with that and and maybe if Sam is to keep a defense guessing a little bit that might open a lane or two for Jonathan Taylor because that guy hasn't seen an open hole since December of last year and if they can get Taylor going there might be something they can do on offense but honestly I was tired of watching this offense yards were so hard to come by at least with this move you have a chance to do something different so Zach Key for the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So do we expect Michael Pittman Jr., I guess, going to get his wish, going to run down the field, and then Ellinger's going to throw it up in the air and have him go get it? Sure. Why not? What, <laughs> what, I mean, right? I mean, give your playmakers the ball in space, and, and maybe this helps Naheem Hines a little bit to get him some catches. But, um, you know, Ellinger's on this two-year plan right now. You know, the biggest reason he fell in the sixth round is, his intangibles are off the charts. It's his arm strength. Everybody knows this, right? He's a little undersized. He's working with Tom House on a two-year plan to imp- improve his velocity. And I asked him about it in the, in, the, in the camp, and his explanation went straight over my head. It was like physics and science, and it was some high-level stuff. 
that if I tried to explain, I would sound like an idiot. But the bottom line is there was a big difference, and this is one of the reasons why he's the starter right now. There's a big difference in the way he threw the ball last year in training camp and this year in training camp. That doesn't mean he's going to be the guy. It just means he's gotten a lot better, and it's caught the coach's eyes. And he made some throws in this preseason that told the coaches, okay, he might have a chance to be a guy in the NFL. Let's not go further than that. He's going to get his shot, and he's going to have to prove it. And like I've said a couple times, this is not the Detroit third stringers. This is not the preseason in August. This is the first-team defense game-planning against you. It's a completely different animal. And we'll see what Sam Ellinger can do. All right, I have people asking. I say Ellinger. You have said Ellinger. <laughs> I don't know, man. I go I Ellinger. I just, I'm just curious. I, do, I mean, is it Ellinger? Because I always thought it was Ellinger. The reason why I ask is what people are asking. I think you're right. I think you're right. Because right, you want to come over on my side with this then, Ellinger? Yeah, because like if, if we're both wrong, then and at least we can show the difference. Right? <laughs> Zach Kiefer of the Athletic is on the Eddie Moore Automotive Group hotline. Do you think that Michael Pittman Jr. was taking a shot at Frank Reich when he mentioned about you know trusting the receivers more at going after the ball down the field than what they were doing? I don't necessarily think it was a shot, a direct shot. I think it's a lot of offensive players on this team are really frustrated that they can't do what they can do, right? I mean, this offensive line's holding this team back. The quarterback in some ways is holding this team back. I really believe Michael Pittman was going to have a breakout season, and I feel like everything is there for him to do it, but he's got to have the guy throwing the football to him. So maybe we're having a different conversation in a month, but I do think the, the offensive frustration for the guys that have been here is very palpable. Like, these guys have played through – I mean, Naheem Hines is on his sixth different starting quarterback in five years. Michael Pittman is is on his fourth. Like, I'm losing track of how many guys these guys have played through. And to be honest, I mean, that that's 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 on Chris Ballard and that's on Jim Irsay and that's on Frank Reich, and, and these guys deserve better. I'm just not sure when that's going to arrive because they just keep going through this cycle that's never-ending. And I think, you know, for the first time – they're willing to go backwards to go forward. They keep trying to just patchwork and band-aid it and just keeps trying to stay level. And they're staying in that 12 to 15 to 20 range where that doesn't help you. So maybe at, at this point, they're willing to go backwards to finally fix this problem, but it's going to take some bumps. It's going to take some bumps in the road and there's going to be some growing pains. And I'm not sure Michael Pittman's going to be thrilled with the offense the rest of the year, unless Sam Ellinger is way more than we think he is. Clearly, Jim Irsay had heavy influence on this decision. No doubt about that. What was the breaking point here? Was there a defining moment where they just said, all right, enough is enough, and now we're going to try Ellinger and move forward? Yeah, the interesting part here, and and this has been weeks in the making, make no mistake, this was not something that was decided Monday morning. Um, This was going to happen at some point unless Ryan just turned the corner, and he never did. Um, the interesting point is they they had an out and they didn't take it. They could have just said this was the injury, and they didn't. And that really stood out to me because this was going to happen regardless of Matt Ryan's status. If he was completely healthy right now, he would not be the starting quarterback. And that's really telling. You know, I watched Jim Mercer on Sunday, and and this is a pretty staggering scene. Walk out of the locker room in Tennessee – with his head down, and he didn't say a thing. And he almost always says at least something. 
And this was an owner that five days earlier had really set the league on fire with his comments about Daniel Snyder. And he said, you know, the most, the loudest thing of anyone on that topic last week. And in this moment, after another, another beating in Tennessee, the team that he wants to beat more than any other team, a team that they didn't even score an offensive touchdown, and they still won by nine because the Colts were so bad on offense. Jim Mercer walked out of the locker room and said nothing. And I wondered what was going through his mind at that point because I bet a good amount of money that he knew that that was going to be Matt Ryan's last game as the Colts quarterback because they, they just couldn't continue on this road because it was just going nowhere. Yeah, people ask me, are they tanking? And my answer has been, well, if they're tanking, they would have just kept Matt Ryan out there because he's the worst. <laughs> good rebuttal. Yeah, he is the, the worst quarterback in the NFL through the first seven weeks of the season, so you could have just left him out there. Again, I, I don't have visions of greatness in this maneuver they're making right now, but I, I did say yesterday, and I do agree with it, Zach, I, they're doing something. There's no doubt about that. They are doing something to see if they can find anything whatsoever, and I guess – Part of the problem significantly to me, and I'm assuming you as well, has been this offensive line. Do they have any answers as to why it has been so awful this season? I mean, John, they've tried they've tried like six different combinations. That answers your question right there. They don't have answers and they don't know why. And it's it's staggering. That's the question I get more than anything else is um, you know, I think it's important to note that when they sat down yesterday, Matt Ryan Nick Foles, Sam Ellinger, and Frank Wright. Frank looked at Matt and said, we failed you. Like, we didn't deliver on our end of the bargain. And I think it's, it's both things can be true. The offensive line failed and the quarterback failed and the coach, right? All, all those things are true. But this was not what he was sold on. He was sold on playing behind a great offensive line and handing off to a great running back. And they just, they've not only regressed to average on the offensive line, it's, it's got to be one of the worst units in football. And we're talking about, 24 sacks right now is more than they gave up to Carson all last year in 17 games. And they still have 10 games to go. So that's more sacks in seven games than they allowed all of last season. Now, Carson didn't get enough credit for avoiding sacks. He was pretty athletic in the pocket. Um, Now, part of that is him extending plays and making bad decisions after that. And I get that. But um, 80 quarterback hits, 110 pressures, 24 sacks. I don't think any quarterback outside of Lamar Jackson – or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen would be able to avoid this and make this work. So I don't even think Matt Ryan got a fair shake. Now he made it worse. He certainly made it worse with his interceptions, but you know, that's the shame of it. That's the shame of it. This, this is not going to work for anybody if this offensive line doesn't get better. I don't think there's a magic pill. I don't think they're just going to turn the corner and start playing better. They're trying, they're trying Matt Pryor at four different positions. I've lost track. Um, it's, I, I honestly, it's, it's kind of a shame that Matt Ryan lost his job before Chris Strasser because his unit has regressed so noticeably this year. It's absolutely handicapping the rest of the offense. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that he's still around as well. Was there a pitch count on 28 out there in Nashville on Sunday, or was it just the flow or I guess lack thereof that Frank Reich was going with, with the play calling? So you tell me what you think of this, because this feels like a pitch count to me, but we asked about this, and he said there wasn't a pitch count. However, there was a planned rotation. So my thought is, well, that's a pitch count. Um, I don't get it, man. Like, I don't get it. Taylor was giving them something. Is it, it, was it Taylor or is it Reich? I, and I know in the case of Leonard, 
it was the Colts not letting him go yeah. out there. But was this because the reason why I bring this up is because you know this. Jonathan Taylor always talks about, you know, being in tune with his body, knowing when he's not ready, knowing what he can get through, endure, and knowing when he shouldn't. And I kind of was curious if, if maybe that was a little bit of 28 making that decision or if that was the coaching staff doing that. I got no sense that 28 wasn't 100% and wasn't ready to fully go. Now, that's just me and my conversations with Jonathan Taylor. I thought he was really dang close to play in Jacksonville, against Jacksonville the week before. They held him out. He had three full practices this previous week and wasn't even on the injury report. So I don't think it was the player. I understand mixing it up and trying different things with Deion Jackson, who had played well. And with Naheem Hines, who for five years they've been trying to get involved and they haven't found a way to consistently do it. But Taylor, I've never seen a player find eight yards when he's supposed to get three more often than JT. I mean, there there is nowhere to go for him. And he's trying like hell, and he's making a lot happen with a little. And I think it's pretty obvious that that guy's frustrated because the pops, right, the, the big chunk runs, the 30, 40, 50, 80 yards, getting an 81-yard run last year, that really changed this offense and scared defenses. They're just not present right now. And, and it's, it's, it's unbelievable that a team with Jonathan Taylor has the 30th-ranked rushing offense right now. Yeah, it is incredible. Shaquille Leonard, any sense come tomorrow during practice rest of the week, whether or not he's going to get the okay, the thumbs up to go on Sunday? Man, I quit predicting that a long time ago because – you think one thing, and then it's the other, and then it's the team, and then it's the player. Um, I, I think he plays. I think they held him out last week to just be really, really safe. It sounds like he's cleared the concussion. The ankle is fine, and the nose is, is healing. But, um, you know, they, they need a spark. I, I'm not blaming this struggle right now on the defense. I'm certainly not doing that after they didn't give up an offensive touchdown in Tennessee. But, um, you know, 53 adds to the energy for everybody. Him being back out there will help. But these these issues right now are certainly on the other side of the ball. All right, the Colts signed a dude to the practice squad as a punter today. Um, Matt Hawk, job in jeopardy at all? Or did he kind of save it with, maybe it was the final punt, I can't remember, but at least one out of however many he had actually was decent on Sunday. I don't get it, man. Those were the worst punts I've ever seen. Yeah, they were terrible. And, yeah. and, and I was watching him during halftime when he was practicing, and he was punting normal. He was booting it down the field. I don't get it. I think they're going to work both out this week. We'll see what happens. But um, obviously the the last thing you need to be doing is losing the field position battle, right, when you don't have an offense that can move the football. Any other injuries they are going to watch for practice-wise coming up tomorrow and the rest of the week? You know, my eyes are going to be on number four this week and to see what this offense looks like with Sam Ellinger. Uh, they're fairly healthy. I mean, they're fairly healthy in a, in a couple different ways. But, you know, we're going to have to see what they do with the quarterback and with the receivers. And, you know, the, the thing that disappeared on Sunday that got buried is the fact that the tight ends didn't do anything. And, and Moelle Cox was wide open on that second interception where Matt Ryan missed him across the middle of the field. And, you know, Mo had that big day with two touchdowns a couple of weeks ago, and, and he's done nothing since. I don't even think he's been targeted very many times. And it's just another question that just seems like it's, it's unanswered right now with this, with this very confusing football team. Can we view this as a DEFCON 1 territory right here being the absolute worst if you're going 1 through 5 and DEFCON phases here? Would this be considered 1 or is it still not there yet as far as how the owner feels about the entirety of the team, including the general manager and the head coach? 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, if you, if you would have gone back and asked me on September 1st before the season started that Sam Ellinger would be the starter in week eight and it's not because of an injury, I'm, I would have gone with DEFCON 1. Yeah, you would right? you I would, mean, you would sense FUBAR. Yeah, you would de- definitely yeah, sense FUBAR. But the problem is you're 3-3. Three, 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 yeah, even among the disappointing games this year, and certainly the games in the division, Zach, you are 3-3-1, three, three, and one, and I would have to think – this is just me thinking out loud that you would have to be very careful to look as if you're not punting the season here before Halloween, even if you don't have as much confidence behind the scenes in what you're doing here with this this decision um, compared to what you give out there in a public setting. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's, it's really hard to do that because they're, they're not one in five and they're not two right. in five or they're not in, in last place when it looks really obvious and no, the season's not over. I, I don't care what anyone says. It's, it's just simply not over. And and try go tell DeForest Buckner, who's playing through a busted elbow, and Grover Stewart, who's playing his butt off, and Stephon Gilmore, who didn't come here to play with, you know, a second-year quarterback who's never thrown an NFL pass. Like, a lot of these guys are doing their jobs, and, and to punt on the season would just be a slap in the face to them. So, no, they're not going to say that, and, and I don't think they are. I, I do think they genuinely want to find out what Sam Ellinger is made of. And I know I know Jim Irsay is a big fan of Sam Ellinger, and, he, and he's been since they brought him in. And, and, and Jim, in his classic hyperbole, you know, mentioned he's a six-round pick, and so was Tom Brady. This was last year during training camp before anything happened. Um, but I, I think it's fair for this team to want to find out what they have in Sam Ellinger because – then you understand where you're going next, right? You understand that, well, this guy could be a guy or we absolutely unequivocally need to find a quarterback in round one in the spring. Now, I had mentioned yesterday that some in the locker room, from what I have been told, a little bit twisted, right? There's some twist. And I, and I don't know if that's just a product of frustration more than anything else of where they are. Um, but – you think everybody, once you talk or get the opportunity to talk to everybody in that locker room, you think everybody's going to be on board with the decision they're making right here? That's what I want to find out. That's what I'm going to do tomorrow in the locker room. Well, and, and damn I'll it, I should have had you on tomorrow then. That's Right, yeah. right, yeah. Culture off today. Look, look, I think both things can be true. Um, and we're getting a lot of blowback, but Matt Ryan, is he's a great leader. Like, he's a, he's a dude. Like, that's not BS. Like, I, I know who's not and who is. I've covered this league long enough. He is that guy. And it's not an accident they won three games at the buzzer, buzzer because he played well in the fourth quarter. Now, that doesn't remove all the mistakes before that. It does not do that. But there's a lot to Sam Ellinger as well. And I've written a lot about him and his story and how he got here. And maybe that doesn't impact how he plays football. But there's a lot to this kid. And I think it's fair to see what he's made of. But um, – that's the fascinating part, and maybe not they're going to say that publicly, uh, but but these guys these guys were behind Matt Ryan. Like that, that's not BS. That's not just media speak or coach speak or player speak. Like they were behind Matt Ryan, and and this is this is tough. Like this was a this was a tough day for this team yesterday. Like admitting that they had made a mistake going to get Matt Ryan and they, and they couldn't make it work. And I think in a lot of ways it's an organizational failure because it's not just on the quarterback or or the offense. It's it's a little bit of everybody. It has not looked at all like they said it would. And there is no <laughs> right. doubt that is an absolute organizational failure. And that's that's from Jim on down. I mean, it's, you know, they you know yeah, Jim is the one that, you know, made them go in the direction where they ultimately get Matt Ryan, had to jump through some hoops to do that. 
Now, and you're still trying to guess on this whole quarterback thing. There are so many different layers of this. We don't really have enough time to cover it all, but um, it all equates to just uh, a, a complete letdown organizationally and a level of disappointment. And we'll see if um, Ellinger can respark something, reflow some juices coming up on Sunday, because otherwise it's going to be a long remainder of the season if things of this nature don't start popping and working. And I don't, I can't sit here and tell you that I expect it. Yeah, let's not. Let's let's not sugarcoat it. This is going to yeah. be a bumpy road. Like yeah. that's what it is. Yes, they can say all they want. You know, they said Matt Ryan was going to work out, and that didn't work out. So why why should we believe him now? Let's see what Sam can do. He gets a fair chance. He gets ten games, um, but it, it it's not going to be it's it's not going to be a storybook ending with a Super Bowl. Let's 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 temper that expectation right now. Got it. Uh, the athletic Zach Kiefer, he's going to be in the locker room tomorrow. I'll be able to tell you some things about what the guys are talking about. My guess is they're going to say we're firmly behind this guy. We believe in Sam, believe in his ability, especially from the locker room leaders. That's what you're going to get tomorrow. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, and Sam's a, he's a really likable guy. Sure. It's not BS, but it doesn't sugarcoat the fact that this is a mess. Complete mess. It is. Zach, I appreciate you, man. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Zach Key for The Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. I have about 30 strong to close this out. You guys want to dial it? We'll start with Wes. Wes is so stinking optimistic, apparently, that he has waited on hold for a while. So his optimism will pay off. We'll start with Wes coming up on the other side. 239-1070. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Facebook Live, the stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. The Ride with JMV. Collect them, trade them, or just enjoy them. 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Oh, y'all wait. 120-106 last night, Sixers over the Pacers. I guess I don't like this, and I'm not a big fan of James Harden. And I'm not trying to come to the rescue of the rookie, Benedict Matherin, last night. But when Harden did that jab step bull of crap and then you know, ran into to Matherin and he fell down and then he stood there and knocked down a uh, a jump shot. You know, I may be completely hypocritical because I probably would get excited about doing that to somebody. But I just, I'm not a fan of James Harden and I thought that that was high level jackassery and I can't stand it. I want him to go back to being fat, out of shape, and ineffective. Can he? That's what I want to see. There is really, and I feel bad because the man with two brains is there. And I believe my good friend Greg Lansing is a scout, a West Coast scout, I think, for the Sixers now. I'll have to look that up. I might just be making stuff up, but I be that, believe that to be the case. There's really no team that I enjoy losing as much as I enjoy watching the Sixers lose. Oh, Brooklyn for me. Brooklyn. I don't like them either, but the Sixers are at the top of my I just don't like James Harden. I don't even like his shoes. Low tops. What is this low top trend? Who the hell plays basketball in low tops? I can't imagine playing in a beard that big. Don't you think it would just get so hot? You see him do that last night with the old jab step, kind of ran into Matherin, and he goes sprawling out, and then he shoots that He did that in uh, the debut game, right? And then he airballed the three? Yeah. This jackassery, I don't like it. But again, I'm biased in that regard because I don't like the 76ers. I like the man with two brains, Pete Dinwoody. Don't get me wrong. 
I like Dan Burke. I like Greg Lansing, if indeed he's employed by the Sixers, and that's supposed to be out there. I don't know, but I am not a hardened fan, everybody. All right, I owe Wes a call, 239-1070. Wes, jump on board with your level of optimism. Hello. Yeah, uh, the first couple hours, the calls were pretty dreary, so I thought I would hit you with some optimism, but Zach kind of stole a little bit of my thunder, so... Um, I got I got a couple things. You go ahead. So I will I will acknowledge that it's probably unlikely, but not also, but not out of the realm of possibility. So number one, there's not going to be any tiebreaker because they have the tie. So their division record isn't really that big a deal. Yeah. Because of this, all they basically all they have to do the second half of the season is win one more game than Tennessee, and they win a division. Assuming Jacksonville still stumbles. So. I, I think that's still fairly possible if they can get it figured out. Also, Yo. would you agree that the turnovers are a big issue, obviously on the offense, but also on the defense for not for not getting any? They they haven't got any at all. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you, you look at last year. That's exactly how I put this defense. I categorized it a year ago. I said it was going to be awful. If not for the Shaquille Leonard takeaways, you would view it as awful. Um, and it, like DeForest Buckner has played well at least recently. Um, Grover Stewart's played well. I, I, I don't really have a lot of an issue at all with Stephon Gilmore. He's been there as well. But, yeah, the, the lack of takeaways and that playmaking ability we saw from Leonard a year ago is is obvious in you know one of the reasons why this defense is not living up to the expectations so far to many. But, yeah, but, yeah, it, but it was not the problem on Sunday. I mean, it deserved a better fate than what it got from the offense on Sunday, without question. Yeah, and that's that's kind of – to, to my point, I was trying to make, um, you know, with Leonard coming back, he's probably going to help with with turnovers, and he'll change that up a little bit if he can stay healthy. And then on, on the other side, if if Matt Ryan just doesn't turn the ball over, they probably they definitely have one more win, probably two. So, what if he just took sacks the entire time? You think they did? They'd have a better record right now if he just said, you know what, I'm going to eat it and take a sack. I think they would have beat Houston. <laughs> I mean, it does make you wonder. I mean, it makes you yeah. wonder in that game on Sunday when he's under that severe pressure and he just kind of lobs it out there to the back of Paris Campbell. Campbell was not even looking. Two defenders yeah. on him and threw it right to his back. You just wonder, hey, if you just take the sack, might they have another win? So Yeah, and yeah. If, if Sam can just come in and not turn the ball over, um, I, I think they're going to be in every game. I hope you're absolutely right, Wes. Thank you for that shred of optimism right there. I hope you're right. T. Shaw writes this. So, the, how would the people in Greene County pronounce Ellinger? Uh, they would pronounce it a linger, a linger. I think Sam a linger will be the quarterback directly, is what they would say. Directly. Directly somehow means in southern Indiana soon, directly. I think it's supposed to be directly, but it's it, it's. I think it's supposed to be D-I-R-E-C-T-L-Y, but in Greene County, it's D-R-E-C-K-Y, directly. You know how some people down there have a southern accent? Yes. At what, where is the Mendoza line where <laughs> you start to get that southern accent? Bloomington? If you live south of Bloomington? I, you can still have it in Bloomington if you're on the west side. Yeah, because that's the closest to Greene County. Yeah. And then I think on the south side, if you're closer to 
to Lawrence County, you can still have it. You got that line right there. If if 37 now, I see right. Actually, it's 37 still. I'm sorry, but right, right. You get to the Monroe Lawrence line, and you know maybe you get more of a uh, Southern draw on the Lawrence side, and you have that hankering for a big red directly. So yeah, T. Shaw. It would be Sam Alinger will be the Colts quarterback directly. Is how they would pronounce it in GC. JJ on line three has got some optimism for us. Go ahead, JJ. Hey, what's up? What has happened? Hey, appreciate you, man. Home of the Ball State Cardinals. Let's go, Cubs. We are always pulling for them. Michael Lewis, shout out for the hoopage up there, too. Yes. It's it's about to go down in a good way. Hey, um, I think that they probably was in on him. Last year when he come in, I think he's going to have a backing. I think it's going to improve the football, the, the football, going to be improve the run game. I really do. I think there's going to be a resurgence right there. And I agree with Call it before. Just don't, you know, don't throw interceptions. Get your feet. Get the short passes. You know, just nothing over the top right now. We're three, three and one. It's not like, the, you know, it's the end of the world or anything like that. And I got – one other thing. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, we did the Daymar Challenge, and you did very well. Which one? What, what was that? that? What, yes, I think. Don't I? What did it, I do? It was, I forget. I think tomfoolery was the word that yeah. you didn't say or something like that. Oh, yeah, so I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I, I forget what that word. So let me throw okay. another challenge to $50 to the, the $50 to Damar if I don't say Daymar? a word. Jack Assery. Oh, you son of a <laughs> That's tough. Now, it All was right. a week is what it was, okay? A week? A I got to go a week without saying Jack Assery. Now, if you do, there was no, no pitfall for you last time. If you happen to say it, you have to play Bismarck Key. You got what I need and you have to sing along. You got it. You got it. Thanks, no man. Jack Assery for a week. Damar Services, you got it, JJ, right there. Because I've got locked and loaded numb nuttery for the next week. You guys don't think I have a thick vocabulary of made-up words, but I'll be damned if I don't. Locked and loaded numb nuttery for the next seven days. Shout out to Damar Services. Here you come with some cash. Thanks to my numb nuttery. Let's go, Justin, on line four before the break. Hello, Justin. Hey, how's it going? Great. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm wondering if they aren't uh, throwing Sam in there. Let's see what he does, what he does well, what he's not weak at. Let's keep Taylor healthy. Let's keep Leonard healthy. And let's use those to move up some draft picks. Let's uh, make some money outside trades and maybe pushing towards a pretty happy build for next season and we'll see if we can get him some experience and find out what we got so well they're probably if you look at the quarterbacks that are likely going to be available in the draft you're going to have to climb up there i mean even as it stands right now i think they would be selecting number seven and we're talking about it before halloween but number seven overall you'd have to climb even higher i would imagine to get any of these three so-called elite level quarterbacks whether it's young or levis or um who's the third that i'm thinking of right now 
Hooker. 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 No, not Hooker. I, there's a three. I missed one here. Young, Stroud. Stroud. Sorry about that. Stroud was the third right there. So those three you'll have to get up because you're going to have teams in front. Carolina, right? Carolina's probably going to be in there somewhere. We went over, Kyle and I went over before the show, some of these teams that more than likely are going to be looking for a quarterback. Seattle's got Denver's pick. Seattle's going to be up there as well. Seattle, even though Geno Smith, I'm sure they've been happy with him. They may end up drafting one, too. Detroit. Detroit is another one. I don't think they're going for a quarterback, though. We know Ursay likes Ellinger. I think he's saying we don't need him to be elite. Let's make him good. I'm assuming assuming by then, though, you'll have an answer whether or not anybody believes that that can be the case for the longer term. That's what what I'm saying. He probably had it with Reich on this last one. No more Band-Aids. Let's do Ellinger. Let's see. And this isn't, I wouldn't call it a throwaway season, but he's saying let's see. We'll see what we need to do. You got Justin, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Let's see. Don't try to use those Jedi mind tricks on me to say that word. Man, let's see. Just go ahead and say blank and get it over with. With Lickety in the lounge, you know he'll deserve calling him out. Don't try to Jedi mind trick me. Quick break. We'll come back. Final time. Your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. A chunk still remains. The Ride with JMV. Well, not really. I felt it on my leg. Come on, I don't want to see it. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. This date, 1986, Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet, hit number one of the Billboard album chart for the first time. Oh, John Bond held on to it for one week, but returned for another seven weeks starting in January of 87. So slippery when wet took over, took over big in 87. You think this song has been more popular in this era than it even was back in 1986 and 87. It may have been even popular. I've always said that about don't stop believing. I think don't stop believing was more popular when they got into it on Glee, when it was in the finale of Sopranos, remember? Don't Stop Believing. I think it was more popular then in the second time around than it was the first. True story. I, I remember hearing it all the time at uh, high school basketball games. Yeah. That's the first time I heard it. I think it was more popular because there were just more people, more people that had the opportunity to hear it. George, jump on here at 239-1070. Hello, George. Hello, JMV. What's going on, man? George, I'm great. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll be quick here. Just a couple comments. Okay. First off, I, I got your back. I'll say it for you. Uh, the positive callers who called before me, jackassery. I'm going to be. I'm going to bring some realism, which could be some pessimism. First okay. off, Ballard should be fired. You can debate if he's built the team wrong or right, and I think we all know it's a pretty clear side of that debate. He built it wrong. What you cannot debate is he didn't do his job. He didn't spend all the budget he had. You got to get Max and spend all the budget. He didn't do that. Last thing, Reich needs to be fired. His players don't believe in him. His president, his owner doesn't believe in him. And so that's when people start doing your job for you. And when you're having to do your job for your employees, guess what? You don't need them. They, they said at halftime of the game the other day, Ballard, or Reich told the team, hey, it's okay. This is what we do. We get down. We come back. And, oh, hey, we have Matt Ryan. Yeah, believing in Matt right now. Thank you, George. I appreciate it. The optimism right out the window. Hey, Warwick, you're going to have to go super quick here because we got to bail. What's up? Hi, John. 
Um, my question is, will Sam Ellinger win more games than Matt Ryan this year? Well, I'm not a um, – I am not a believer in it, but he's got a law – I mean, more than three – yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It depends, I guess, on how you look at it. I, I could see him winning four. I would guess here. I wouldn't put it past him, but I wouldn't suggest it'd be much more than that until I see exactly how he's going to play. Hey, Warwick. Sorry, I don't have a lot of time here. I'll get back to that. That's something we'll start coming up tomorrow. That's an interesting question. I would say the the opportunity is there, just based upon the amount of season that remains. But I'm not a full-fledged believer in this. Hey, by the way, shout out to LD Smith Plumbing, Lance, local team, team members, Wes and Kurt, because the guy that is talking to you for three hours afternoon, every afternoon, six hours on a Saturday night, and then basically before Colts games on a Sunday, I'm happy because I have a new toilet. Kyle, I have a brand new toilet. I have a brand new toilet. I'm going to go home and work it in. Rake Straw, Ben Brown, Zach Kiefer Podcast, 107.5, thefan.com. Great job out of everybody today inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Back with you right here tomorrow at 3. Have a great night.